Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. I don't know if it's because, well, I'll say it this way, it's not because we chose white as snow as our sermon theme that we've had snow coming down for the better part of the last two plus weeks. But maybe, just maybe, as you see the snow fall, it might direct your attention back to these beautiful pictures that God's word gives of the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, white as snow is one of those, as God has taken our scarlet sins and made them white. Last week, we talked about the fact that God cancels our sins. And today, the Bible provides us with another beautiful picture of our forgiveness, that we are clothed with Christ. All right, I'm going to need a show of hands for this one. How many of you have ever heard the expression, dressed to the nines? Go ahead, raise your hand if you've heard that. Okay, quite a few of people have heard that expression. I did some research this week because I was interested in how did we get to that phrase, dressed to the nines? And here's what I read. There are some people that believe that dressed to the nines came from this idea that when people really dressed up, they wore beautiful gowns or three-piece suits, and the thought process was that a tailor or a seamstress would use up to nine yards of material to produce that dress or the suit. Now, I'm no tailor, but some of you probably are. And from what I read, nine yards is an awful lot of material to produce a three-piece suit or a dress. So maybe that wasn't the reason. But whatever the case, that expression, dressed to the nines, refers to someone who looks pretty sharp, maybe exquisitely dressed, even, could we say, looks perfect for the occasion. I suppose you could use examples of that from our world today, getting ready for prom and, and all of the preparations that are made, maybe a wedding party or, or the bride herself. Those things can be times where people are dressed to the nines. Or, or maybe it's just a chance to go to the ballet or the symphony or a Broadway production that would lead you to dress up. And maybe somebody could say about a person in that situation, they were dressed to the nines. It's an interesting expression, but that idea of being dressed perfectly is exactly what the Apostle Paul has in mind in our text today. In Revelation, John wrote it this way. God's words, as he recorded them, he tells us that, tells us that when Jesus comes back to heaven, he's going to see the church as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. That's the perfection that we receive from Jesus. And that's the picture from Galatians chapter 3. Listen again to verses 26 and 27 of Galatians 3. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. As we think about these verses today, we'll see that this picture of God's forgiveness today comes from what we wear. Not what we have to offer, but what God has dressed us in. Yes, we are clothed with Christ. And as we explore these words of the Apostle Paul today, we'll see, first of all, that we are called God's children. And then secondly, as his children, our Heavenly Father provides what we need. I thought this week about as many times as I could come up with as Jesus clothes were referred to in scripture. I could come up with a handful of times. There, there may be some more in scripture, but maybe none more well-known than what Jesus was clothed in at his birth. Maybe you remember once upon a time either reciting or learning Luke chapter 2, where Mary 
put Jesus, wrapped him in, I re these are the words I learned, swaddling clothes. Now it says strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. It's the very thing that the angels told the shepherds to look for. To look for a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. It's not the only time Jesus' clothes are referred to in Scripture. At his transfiguration, when Jesus was glorified right before his disciples, Peter, James, and John, we're told that, John, that Jesus' clothes turned white. And in the Gospel of Mark, he says they turned whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Or how about at Jesus' crucifixion? When the soldiers cast lots for Jesus' clothing in fulfillment of Psalm 22. And in addition to that, they actually made sure that they didn't destroy the one garment, his undergarment that was all one piece. And then at Jesus' burial. Do you remember that in the tomb of Jesus, there was a headcloth that had been folded up and was separate from the rest of the grave clothes? Lots of references to Jesus' clothing and the impact that that had. And so when Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that we're clothed with Christ, he's reminding us that what we wear is the holiness that Jesus wants us to have. Throughout chapter 3 and 4 of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is comparing the Old Testament law with the gospel. And as he makes this point of comparison, he uses the idea of a child and a servant that both live in the same household. He even makes the case that for a time, the child and the servant might not even seem all that different because they're subject to the rules of the house. They don't have fully what is waiting for them, at least for the child, but there is a difference. One of them is an heir and the other one is not. Paul lays this out for us to demonstrate that the Old Testament law makes us a lot like that servant. While it can show us that perfection is the only way to Jesus, it also shows us that we can't live that perfection on our own. And so we have to ask the question, so how? How is it that we get the perfection that God knows that we need, that we have to have to stand before him? And the Apostle Paul gives a resoundingly clear answer. He says this, You are all children of God through faith. In Christ Jesus. That's how we are children of God, through our faith in Christ. And then he goes one step further. The Apostle Paul connects our faith with our baptism. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I wouldn't even venture a guess this morning, but a good number of us in here today, I would guess, were baptized in a time when we were not aware of what was happening maybe as an infant or a small child. And it's interesting to note that while we all know usually our birthdays, right? We know what day we were born on. I wonder if I quizzed everybody today about the day of their baptism, how many people could come up with the exact date. I was pretty sure I knew mine, but I gave my mom a call this week anyway just to be sure I was right. January 4th, 1970 was a pretty important day in my life. That was the day that Water was applied to my forehead in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Maybe you know the day of your baptism. The day isn't all that important, but that you were baptized is. And why? Well, listen to what Paul says. You are clothed with Christ. Through faith in Jesus, you are clothed with Christ. 
The faith that we have to believe in Jesus is no different than the gift that God sent on Christmas Day. It's a gift of God in the very same way. And it's a gift that provides us with status. We are God's sons and daughters. And as his sons and daughters, we have an inheritance. We're heirs of a life with him forever in heaven. You see, that's what being clothed with Christ signifies. It's the blessings that we have, the blessings of forgiveness and eternal life. We use the word righteousness. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And it's one of those Bible words that, that's long and, and we think we should know the definition, but sometimes we forget exactly what all of those words mean. Let the word itself lead you to the meaning of the word righteousness. It is the idea of being right with God, being on the right side of God, having right standing before him. That's what the clothes that Jesus give us, gives us provides. The holiness and righteousness to stand before God. We have them in English too, but the Greek language is full of picture words. And the word for clothed is no different. That is the actual definition of the word, but how they got to that is pretty interesting. It's a compound word, enduo. And enduo means in, or to sink in. To sink in are the two meanings of those words. And I thought, what a beautiful description of being clothed in Christ. I bet you know what it's like to sink in to clothing. If you have a nice, fuzzy, warm felt robe like the one on the screen, you can kind of sink into that, can't you? Or maybe it's a chunky sweater that you have at home that you can't... I had to ask my wife and daughters if that was the right word for it. Big sweater, right, that you can kind of be comfortable in. Or maybe it's just sweatpants that you like. Yeah, let me relax in my sweatpants or pajamas or something like that. We know what it is to sink into clothing and find comfort and relaxation. Isn't that a great picture? To hear that we're clothed with Christ, that we can sink into the righteousness that Jesus provides for us, that we can find comfort in the fact that we have forgiveness of sins in him, and that we can relax knowing that we have a status with God as his own children, his sons and daughters. I think it's pretty safe to say that Mary and Joseph and the shepherds who first showed up at, at Jesus' birth site really couldn't embrace fully what it meant that Jesus was there. It was hard for them to imagine that somehow the little baby lying in a manger was the Messiah that God had promised for centuries. But we know, what a blessing. What a blessing to have the rest of the story revealed to us in Scripture, that that little baby grew up to do exactly what we needed, to provide everything that we needed before God. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying, that we have, as, as we are clothed with Christ, we have exactly what God knows that we need to stand before him. And what we know is this, if we were left to ourselves, if we only had our own spiritual clothes to present to God, those clothes would be stained, stained with our sins. It's so easy, isn't it, as we live our lives in this world to think about what I need, what I want, what's going to give me joy and pleasure and happiness, and to sink into those things rather than into the righteousness of Christ. But here's the beauty of the message that the Apostle Paul is sharing. Jesus has replaced those stained clothes, those rags that we bring our, on our own, and he's replaced them with a robe, 
a robe of his righteousness, completely pure and beautiful as we stand before God. That's really what Mary was singing about in her song that we read earlier in Luke chapter 1. She was singing about rejoicing in her own Savior. The, the baby that God had put inside of Mary was going to be the one who was born to save everyone, including Mary. And in Isaiah 61 that we read earlier, the idea of, of these garments that we have that are righteousness and peace. And then Isaiah's picture takes us one step further, doesn't it? It says that, that we are oaks of righteousness, a planting like a big tree to display the splendor of our God. See, that's what Paul's driving at in this inheritance that we have, what we are as people who are clothed with Christ. We're free from sin. That's what Jesus has given us, freedom from our sins, but he's given us a second freedom too. And that's freedom for something. Freedom to display the splendor of our God, to demonstrate the glory that God has in sending Jesus to be our Savior from sin. It's this very idea of, of glorifying God that Jesus had in mind in Matthew chapter 5 when he wrote this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A couple things to take away from our sermon today. Number one, the baby Jesus, who is wrapped in swaddling clothes, wraps us in his holiness. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way in his second letter to the Corinthians. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Secondly, we have the special status as God's children through the gift of faith. How great the love the Father has lavished on us, John wrote, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Finally, number three, we seek opportunities to display the splendor of our God. To the Ephesians, Paul wrote this, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the story of Cinderella. A Cinderella story is something that refers to someone who goes to, from rags to riches, right? From the worst situation to the best possible situation. You, you know the story of Cinderella, how she was really mistreated by her stepsisters and her stepmother, and yet she was the one that was chosen by the prince, and she traded her hand-me-downs for these beautiful gowns and lived with the prince forever, right? We do like those rags-to-riches stories when the underdog wins. And if you think of the Apostle Paul's words in Galatians chapter 3, that's our story. That's our story. Nothing that we would have to present to God, nothing holy and righteous that we could bring to him, but we're clothed, clothed with Christ. And with Jesus' clothes, we can stand before our Heavenly Father, holy, righteous, blameless, and heirs of an eternal life with him. That's something to sink into, to sink into the clothes that God gives us, the holiness that we have, the joy of eternity with him. That's what it means to be clothed with Christ. And as you think at this Christmas time about the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, remember that he wraps you 
in his righteousness, now and forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.